y'all's attention just for a second. I'm filing a complaint against y'all. I've been harassed too much for my uh, picture that was shared on Facebook. So if I hear any more harassment, there will be church discipline, and I'll take you around back. You hear me? Uh, I'm not mean enough. That's okay. I appreciate all the love and the, the jokes, and uh, don't come back. Just just wait. So uh, it's all good. I hope you're ready to worship the Lord this morning, though. I guess we got the, the sheep on this side and the goats on this side. I don't know what's going on this morning, but that's all right. I'm here this morning to praise him, and I hope that's why you're here. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start in a word of prayer. Actually, before I even do that, I wanted to share something with you um, uh, about Fall Festival this year. And so Fall Festival, you'll hear it announced. It's going to be on October 31st, 5 to 7 p.m., but it will not be hosted here. We are having it at Bodark Baptist Church at their parking lot. And I'm very, very, very excited about this. I want you all to hear my heart on this because this is something that we are, are wanting to do for the kingdom. And so we just had a burden um, on our hearts about talking with them. And, and they got a new pastor over there. And, and uh, we want to see God bless um, his movement over there. We want to see that church take off. And we want to see the Lord just pour his blessings on it. And there be a fervor and excitement and a growth and all kinds of things just glorifying him for the kingdom of God. So that's our desire. And so we wanted to figure out how can we help that? How can we work with that? So we talked with um, Bryce Nally, the pastor over there, and his wife. And um, he talked to some of the deacons, too. And so we're going to partner with them and, and carry a, a big part of the burden that it takes to throw on a big event like that. And so we're going to carry a big part of that burden. So I need your help. We're going to be um, um, having all kinds of different stations. It's all going to be gospel-centered. I don't want us to use the word friendship. Y'all hear me? I don't want it to be about friendship. I want it to be about the kingdom of God and his gospel, his good news. And so uh, looking forward to that opportunity. There's places to serve, whether you're going to be Zacchaeus, which that's already taken, but whether you're going to be Mary or whether you're going to be um, um, one of the lame men that were healed or the adulterous woman or whoever it might be. Uh, there's a list of them on the board back there. And we need uh, people to host these areas. And if you're just interested at all in helping with this and you say, I don't care where you put me, come to me or Jacqueline, talk to us because we want to put you somewhere and uh, see this um, take off. And so I just wanted to put that extra reminder out there for that. Uh, it's coming up close. Y'all realize it's um, October the 10th. And this is the 31st. So we got to get on this. So I need your help. Father God, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this effort. Lord, that you would bless this focus for your kingdom, Lord, this focus on just uh just loving people in the community, helping a sister church out, seeing you uh, uh, move, Lord. That's our, our greatest desire. Lord, I'm excited about getting in your word today, about singing today and rejoicing and doing it joyfully, Lord. What do you have before us, Lord? I'm not exactly sure, but your presence is there. Lord, your calling is going to be there. Your work of your spirit is going to be there. And so, Lord, we yield to it all right now. Calm our hearts. Calm our spirit, Lord, to hear you, to see you, to experience you. Lord, we love you, and we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, if y'all will, stand with us. This is the part where we sing our three songs. Let's uh, worship the Lord today.
sing this song several times, but uh, if you haven't heard it before, just uh, really listen to the words. They're very, very good.
This one's all of him. We should all know this one. Dearest, most gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for allowing us here in this house today to worship you. 
just uh, be with everyone that is here, dear Father, and continue to be with our country and our leaders, Amen. and just uh, be with the ones that is dealing with the uh, loss of the loved ones, dear Father. Uh, we've had a few this last week. Just uh, lift them up, dear Father. Just bless this house. And bless the offering and the giver for to do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Friendship Baptist Church. Let's check the announcements. <laughs> Women's Bible Studies. They start in October. Get out your head. Wednesdays evening at 6.30 p.m. Starting October 6th. And Thursday morning at 9.15 a.m. Starting the 7th. Armor of God, Sunday's evening at 6 p.m., starting tonight. There is still time to sign up at the bulletin board. Text our women directors if any questions. Martin Louis at 903-391-3698. Greet, share, meetings on Mondays at 4.30 p.m. in the old building. Our first meeting will be on October 4th. This will be the orientation and the first opportunity to purchase the book. The cost of the book is $15. Any questions, ask Sandy Baker, 903-922-6430. October 11th, Men's Breakfast at 8 a.m. $5 donations are appreciated. October 12th, Business Meeting at 6 p.m. October 16th, Meet at the Yuga School at 6.30 p.m. for prayer walk through the buildings before Cayuga Fields of Faith. Cayuga Fields of Faith will be at 7.30 p.m. Be student light. Come join and let's support the youth of the community as they share what the gospel is to them. October 16th, Ladies' Luncheon at church at 11.30 a.m. Let's throw our insecurities aside and come build community with other women in our church. Bring your favorite dish and let's enjoy sweet time together. October 31st, Community Fall Festival, 5 to 7 p.m. Please bring candy and place it in the rolling can in the foyer area. Do you love technology and spreading the gospel? Well, say no more. The tech team is needing staff. If you're interested, talk to somebody of our staff, or talk to Sebastian. Yep, that boy in the drum cage. Uh, and student-led night of worship uh, and testimony for this other 
two of our high school students will be giving their testimonies, their personal testimonies, um, along with a praise band from Dogwood Hills coming out to play, um, do some worship songs, uh, and then an adult of the students choosing is going to give a testimony at the end. Uh, so what this is, is a time for, it takes place at the football field at school, unless rain moves us to the gym. Um, and these will be going on all across the country this Wednesday night. Uh, it's an FCA, so a Fellowship of Christian Athletes event. Um, and it's going to be really awesome. Uh, if, if you got a chance, if anybody came out to the Glow for God uh, a little over a week ago, Eve, uh, that was awesome. It was an awesome night where our kids... Um, decided, hey, the kids at Cayuga, they wanted to have a night of worship at school, um, at, at the gym. They wanted it to be like a night of camp um, to get kids energized for school and doing that school. And, and God's really moving in our campus and our kids that way. Um, and so they did that, and it was really awesome. So if you can't come out this Wednesday night, come to Fields of Faith, come have a hot dog and a bottle of water and listen to these kids give their testimonies. Um, to a, another high school, another KU graduate, give his testimony. Uh, come on out and support it. it. It's a really neat thing, and it's awesome to see our kids stepping out and doing this and leading this. Right? Uh, so y'all come on out and support. Thanks, Lance. On, uh, Sebastian just told me that that was last week's announcement, so. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> just let everybody know those dates are right. They might be, but. That's all good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Didn't know about that. And so, awesome. Well, let me just say one more thing about Fields of Faith this Wednesday. So the church will not be gathering here. The church will be gathering at the football field. And so please come Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Um, if you want to prayer walk to school, come a little earlier and we can pray walk to school. But every great revival, um, not every great revival, but several great revivals um, have started with youth getting on fire for the Lord. And I'm just telling y'all, God's doing something with our youth and our community, and he's getting them on fire, and I wouldn't be surprised if that floods over into a revival amongst our whole community. And so um, be a part of that. You don't want to blink your eyes and miss what God's doing. Are you, are you listening to me? Okay, I need my kids, all my youngins. I got something short for y'all this morning, but I need y'all to come up here. Right here, up to fifth grade, right here, over here. All right, all right. Walk for me, buddy. Walk for me. Thank you. I got something to ask y'all. I was wondering if you can help Brother Jerry out this morning. You think you can do that? No. No? Was that you, Trip? No. We'll see about helping you out, buddy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, y'all want to know my question? <laughs> you want to hold my hand? Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> Jacqueline used to do that to me, but I want her over. I need y'all to help me with two questions, okay? What is a barrier? Nope. Anybody know what a barrier is? Yeah, Serenity. That's a burial, okay? So a burial, yes, but a barrier. Oh, um, that you have for, um, 
like the wall, that's kind of like a barrier. Yeah, it's like a, a thing that prevents you from being able to go through it, right? And so I give, uh, good job, Caleb. Okay, so a barrier is this thing that prevents us to come through. All right, if you could make a barrier with your hands, how would you do it? Do it, show me. Okay, yeah, like a wall, right? Okay, that's a barrier that keeps me from coming to you, coming through you. Okay, now, what is a bridge? Something you walk across, right? You crawl across the bridge. Sure, you could crawl across the bridge. All right, if you could make a bridge with your hands, how would you do it? Show me with your hands. How would you make it? Yeah, like you could walk across. Good job. If you're in here this morning, so if you're a first grader above, I want you to really listen to me because Brother Jerry is going to be talking about bridges and barriers and about how we can have hope. There's things, there's barriers that keep us from having hope, and then there's bridges that take us to a place of hope. Does that make sense this morning? So I want you to think about bridges and barriers and how we can have hope. Amen? All right. Y'all pray with me. Dear Jesus, we love you. Show us bridges. To hope. Give us hope in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can head back.
Praise the Lord, church. Father God, we love you, Lord, and I just pray that, Lord, right now, Lord, that we would pour out our praise to you, God. Lord, uh, not just through the words that come off of our lips, Lord, but from our hearts, that it would be a pouring of praise. Lord, recognizing who you are today, recognizing that you're Lord, you're King of Kings, God, and you've met here with us. Lord, what a privilege you've met here with us this morning. You're meeting us face to face, Lord, through your word and through song and all the other ways you choose to do that. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Amen. Before I get started, I got something I want to do, and I got several of these that I got to give out to several different people, but I'm planning on doing it when we have the next baptism. There's just been some things coming up with sickness and then availability trying to get these baptisms lined out. So we have some coming up soon, and I was going to hand them all out, but Grant, because he lives so far away, he doesn't always get to come in. And so I wanted you to come up here, brother, and I wanted to give you something from the church here. And um, first off, it's a shirt, and it's, it's got friendship on there, but it says, One Lord, One Faith, One Baptism from Ephesians there. And so I wanted to give you that and uh, also present you there with your certificates um, for your baptism because uh, it's a blessing to be able to celebrate that with you. So. Yeah, buddy. Oh, praise the Lord, church. It's exciting. And so uh, I got a whole stack of them I got to give out. And so if you have not been called yet, I have not forgot you. And so uh, we'll get that going. All right. Well, before that as well, this Saturday we have a big um, funeral. And uh, so uh, we'll be celebrating the life of Daryl Johnson. And so uh, y'all know Daryl. He was sitting right here most Sundays with us. And we're grieving his uh, the fam- with the family there, the funeral will be this Saturday, and we need all kinds of help with any kind of food you can bring, whether it's main dishes, sides, desserts, all kinds of stuff. I didn't want you to forget about that, and so please uh, help out there. And remember Miss Laverne, too. Miss Laverne and George George passed away unexpectedly, and, and uh, they'll be having the service the same time at another church, and so just keep them in your prayers as well, and remember Miss Laverne. I want to read something to you this morning. I feel like God's got something for us. Y'all ready? I feel like he's got a word for you this morning. And it's a word of hope. We're finishing up this series. Hope is here. Hope is here. But as we finish up the series, that certainly doesn't mean that we finish up the idea of hope and the presence of hope. And so I'm just wrapping up this message, this series of messages, just this idea of, of hope that it's here. And I wanted to start off this morning reading to you some scripture that may be your heart's cry today. And it's Psalm 42.5. You don't have to turn there. I just want to read this to you to start us off. Here's what the psalmist cries out. And I don't know about y'all, but every once in a while when I'm reading through the book of Psalms, I just feel like my whole demeanor, my whole attitude and my thoughts are reflected sometimes. I feel like the struggle, the pain, the grief, the the hardship, but also the praise and the glorification of the Lord and the excitement of who He is, all that just kind of floods out in these psalms in different places. Some are mourning, some are celebratory, but they all have this place of hope. But there's a certain psalm, like I said this morning, I want to start off with. And here's what it says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Listen to that, church. Why are you cast down? Who's talking here? He's talking to himself. My soul. Oh, my soul. Why are you cast down? And why are you disquieted within me? And then he says, hope in God. Hope in God, 
For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Listen to that, church. Why are you cast down? Maybe these are your words this morning. As you come and find yourself in this place, sitting and listening to God's word, opening your heart and mind unto him and the spirit for him to do whatever he wants, maybe this is your cry. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Maybe you're thinking, why do I feel so dejected or rejected or disquieted? Why am I struggling so much? And maybe you're trying to say the same words that he comes to. Maybe you're trying to say the same words that he comes to here at the end when he says, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Hope in him. Maybe those are words you're trying to say. Maybe the psalmist, with the psalmist, you're trying to remind yourself of what you believe. Are you ever there, church? Are you ever there where you're struggling? Why, oh Lord? Why am I so? Is it, is it dejected? Why am I feeling as terrible as I'm feeling? I feel so hopeless, maybe. I feel so far at this time. I feel so just, just troubled. Maybe those are your words. And you're trying with the psalmist to say, but hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. Maybe you come today and you simply know that those are the words you need to be preaching to yourself. Y'all recognize that I'm not the only one supposed to be doing the preaching around here? That y'all are supposed to preach to yourselves every once in a while? We love preaching to others. That's my job, right? I love preaching to others. We love that. We love preaching to them grandchildren. Get your act together. You know what's right. But how often do we look in the mirror and preach to ourselves? to our own soul, to our own troubled self. Maybe these are the words you need to hear. You didn't know that maybe the greatest sermon you could preach to yourself are these three words, hope in God. Hope in Him. That's the message every Sunday morning. That's the message every time we open up His Word. Put your hope in Him. But what does it mean to hope in God? Does that mean to place all of your hope in God? Does that mean to make Him all of your hope? Or does that mean that He is our only hope? And the answer to those questions is yes, yes, and yes. What does that look like? To make Him our hope, to be our hope, and and to hope in Him. You see, I think the word hope is a pretty interesting concept. You heard me say last week that I'm kind of going backwards in this series. We looked at how hope is for the burden and the, the ones that are tired, and hope is for the broken, and hope is for the next generation. And this morning, we're taking a step back just for a second and saying, okay, what is that hope? What is that hope? How do we get that hope? If it's for those people, because I think every one of us can say I'm broken or I'm tired or, or the next generation needs it. And so how do we get it? Well, this word hope is pretty interesting. I think we have kind of three different ways we use this word in our language. And I think one of the ways is that hope can be a desire for something in the future. We could say something like, I hope that I can go hiking on Saturday. And that hope is that desire to go hiking, correct? I hope that. I desire that. We could say it in another way. We could say hope is, is a, the thing in the future that we desire. And so maybe I would say something along the lines of our hope is that we will be hiking instead of taking down the pool. Right? My hope is that thing, that hiking, not just the desire to go hiking, but that thing itself is my hope. Or we might even say use hope as the idea of the basis or the reasoning, the reasoning of, of um, thinking our desire might be fulfilled. So I might say our only hope for Saturday is that the sun is, comes out. 
right? That, that that's our hope, that this, this is the only way that I will not be taking down the pool. The only way that I'll be hiking is that that sun comes out, and that's my hope. And while when you go through Scripture, you can see emphasis in, in all three of those different ways, the way we use hope, the desire, the thing that's desired, and the way that we get what's desired fulfilled, all those kind of play in. However, the biblical concept or the principle itself of hope is quite contrary to the way we use it. I don't want to lose you. If you're listening, say, I'm listening. I don't want to lose you here. It's quite contrary. What do I mean by that? Well, when referring to hope, normally when we refer to hope, I think often we express this idea of uncertainty and doubt rather than certainty. When you think about just those three ways that I used it, What are we expressing? We're expressing uncertainty. I hope I can go hiking means I'm not really that sure that I'll be going hiking. I hope, I desire, but I'm not sure. Or our hope is that we'll be hiking and not taking down the pool. And so so my my, means that I'm uncertain that I may not just be uh, hiking. I may be taking down that pool. Or the idea of the sun coming up. I'm... It may not. I'm uncertain. We may have cloudy skies or or rain falling that day. And so there's uncertainty expressed with our hope often. But in the biblical concept of hope, the biblical principle of hope, it's quite different. Biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope is this certain, confident expectation and desire that will be fulfilled. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because when you look at hope, it's not this idea from the scripture standpoint of an uncertainty. There's a certainty that comes with our hope. And I want to make sure we get this because the problem for us, church, brothers and sisters, friends, the problem for us is not that we don't have hope. We all have hope. I can't tell you how many times I hear hope. I hear, I hope that, that I can break this cycle, Brother Jerry. I hope I can break it. I, I hope that, that I can get free of this addiction. Or I hope that my marriage will be better next year. Or I hope that I can get into the Word this year. I hope that I can pray better and be a better prayer warrior. Or I hope that my children will be better off than me. Or I, I hope that I will no longer be miserable. I just hope something will change. We got hope down. Amen? We got it down. The problem is more that we don't understand biblical hope. And that's my challenge today. As we get into God's word, that we would be challenged. In fact, that our hope would be transformed. That's the name of the title this morning. The transformation of our hope. That we would have a hope that's transformed. And there's a person in scripture that we're going to look at that had a transformation of hope. And and it happened just the week following Jesus' crucifixion. So if you think about... Those days when Jesus was crucified, I mean, these events were a pretty big deal. In fact, they've changed all of eternity. Still to this day, we, we have a huge um, um, thought of, about the, the Passover week and the, the crucifixion, the Good Friday that we celebrate, and the resurrection. I mean, these events changed the entire world. And it's not just for us that sat here today, but for them that lived it, it changed their entire world. When you think about those events, they literally jolted through Jerusalem. I mean, just just idea of shook them up. The idea that Jerusalem would never be the same anymore. The fact that the risen Savior had did something, had done something about sin and defeated it, defeated it 
through the grave, through the cross. We just sung Old Rugged Cross. The fact that we have an old rugged cross to, to celebrate that Christ did something on that, it changes everything. Those stories would have moved up and down every street in Jerusalem. And you have these ecstatic um, believers that all of a sudden come up, you hear those Sunday rumors. And so, I mean, think about this. How would you explain everything that happened, the darkness that fell on the land that day? How would you explain the veil being torn and the earthquake that happened? How would you explain those things? I'm telling you, it shook that place. And so when you think about that, then you get the rumors, the Sunday rumors, uh, this, this, this thought of, of, of wait a second, what, what are these people saying? These women had went to the tomb and it's empty? They're, this, this ecstatic statement that, that Jesus is alive? I mean, just put yourself there for a minute, church. That's what I'm trying to do is put myself there. Shook it. Shook the place. They hear these rumors. And the next week, the disciples are gathered in the upper room, the place where they had just seen the Last Supper taking place. What we just did last week, you remember the Lord's Supper, and we talked about the Passover and how Jesus comes before them, and he says, it's with eager desire that I come and partake of this with you. It's a desire that he had to do this. They just experienced that, and now, a week later, we're coming to this place where they're in the exact same room, the upper room, and Jesus shows up. The risen Jesus shows up, but somebody's not there. Do you remember who's not there? Thomas. Thomas is not there. And they told Thomas about the risen Jesus. They told him. But what did Thomas do? His hope had yet to be transformed. Do you remember his response? He said, only if my hand can touch his. Only if my hand can touch his side. Only if I can experience it myself, then I'll believe. But until then, I cannot believe. That's what he says. In fact, let's read the passage. John, Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. If you're there, say amen. amen. Here's what it says. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. Again, one week after this. They were assembled for fear of the Jews, it tells us. Jesus came and stood in their midst, though, and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I want you to catch something. We're going to get a little deeper into this in just a moment, but I want you to catch something here. We always give Thomas a hard way about it. We always say, oh, doubting Thomas. He just couldn't believe. But did you see the other disciples? All the other disciples are sitting there. They're fearful, and Jesus comes in. He says, peace be with you, and still they're fearful, it tells us. And Jesus does what? He shows them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad. doesn't seem like they were very glad until they themselves saw the hands and the side of Jesus. No different than Thomas. Thomas just wasn't here. When he had said this, verse 20, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And the Father, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Church, this is cool. 
We just talked on Wednesday night. I told you on Wednesday night we're going through kind of a deeper study, theological study. What do we believe about the scriptures? And we looked at creation, and we looked at the Trinity's role in creation, and we looked at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we looked at was the Spirit and the Hebrew word and how the Spirit literally means the breath, the breath of life. It's the same word here. So think about Jesus' statement here. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Breathe, same Hebrew word as spirit. He breathed the very breath of Christ, breathed in the Holy Spirit into our lives. Isn't that amazing, church? Wow. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. All right, church. I was sharing with you, I was sharing with the kids, there's barriers and there's bridges to this transformation of hope. There's barriers and bridges. So think of this visual as we're going through we have this worldly hope on this side, that hope of desire and, 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 and all the same kind of concepts to some degree, except for it's loathed with uncertainty, right? So you have this place of uncertain hope over here. And then over here, we have this biblical concept, true biblical hope that has this certainty, this, this, this understanding of, of faithfulness of God. And, and then in between, here's what we're going to talk about. This is where we're spending our time this morning. Will we have a bridge that takes us from here to here, or will we have a barrier that keeps us over here? Let's focus on the barriers first. The first barrier can be fear. It says that they're very well um, in that place because they feared at first off, and the fact that they were probably afraid to see Jesus and before he showed them the hands and they weren't glad until after that is probably a lot to do with fear. In fact, he shows up and he says, peace be with you. You probably only say that to somebody that's shivering in fear, right? This idea of of they're terrified, and he says, no, peace, peace, peace be with you. Maybe you think of the presence of God as as a place of trembling and fear, and, 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 and you're shaking, and maybe you need to hear him tell you, peace, I'm here. I'm here not for your judgment. I'm here that your judgment's been paid through Christ. Call on me. Peace, he says, peace. There was a fear there that led to uncertainty, brought a barrier to this this hope. And it's not that Thomas was just a scaredy cat and and lacked courage. In fact, Thomas was the one that when they knew some of the things that were going on, Thomas was the one that said, let's go even if we die. He he had this statement of, of let's go no matter what, even if I die with you, Lord. And so he had this courage. He had this idea of wanting to go no matter what. Yet the hatred and the hostility heaped upon Jesus at the cross may have shooken him just a little bit. In fact, by the words he's saying and the thoughts of, 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 of being revealed here, I think maybe even he might have been present enough to see the crucifixion, watching it. Imagine that. Wouldn't that shake you just a little bit? Wouldn't that bring about a fear just a little bit? And I believe still today many would-be disciples are, are still in the dark shadows of uncertainty today. We let fear reign over us and this has been so true even through the COVID season of of how much has fear played a role in our lives in the last two years 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't do the right thing and have stewards and keep our distances and all that. And we've tried to do that even as a church with keeping um, um, pews separated and all that. We've tried to walk them through all that. But at the end of the day, what I'm sharing is, is, is how much has fear taken over in that process? Probably more than we want to admit. Amen? And so fear happens. There's a, I was talking to the Hodges. We, we support the Hodges as uh, some of our missionaries uh, over in Uganda and, and uh I was talking with them and just excited about some of the things they got going on with an orphanage and, and uh, maybe one day we'll even get to take a trip over there. I don't know. But there's a pastor in Uganda and uh, he's a pastor of Redeemer Church and there was a lot of persecution going on at this time and every day, every time he had a service, every time he ended preaching God's word, he would close it out with this. He would say, are you ready to die for this man? Think about that. His very words to them is, are you ready to die for this man? Talking about Jesus. He ended his invitation with that. Are you ready to die for him? Because this was a realistic outcome for them. If they left as a believer in Christ in the world they were in, death very well may find them because of their faith in Christ. He says, will you die for him? Are you ready to die for him? We're not exempt from this barrier of fear and, and uh I think we fear all the time. Have you failed to believe in Jesus because of fear? I think the answer has to be yes to some level. We fear all kinds of things. And maybe it's because you've had actually feared your life. I, I don't know. That's not been true of me. I've never really feared my life because of my faith. But there's other things that I have feared. I've feared losing relationships. Um, I have a friend that I hadn't talked to in three years from high school, and he's not a Christian, and, and I always was scared to talk to him about Christ, because I thought he would just ruin our relationship from all those years, and, and, and I struggled with that for a long time. You have the fear of losing relationships. Maybe you have a fear of losing your lifestyle. Maybe you enjoy what you're doing that you know is wrong. Haven't we been there? Where you know it's wrong, but there's a sense of pleasure that comes with that. And, and, and because of the fear of losing that and changing our lifestyle or the fear of not knowing if you will succeed in changing your lifestyle, you allow it to prohibit you. You allow it to hold you back, to be a barrier. Another barrier to biblical hope for Thomas was pessimism. Thomas tended to be a pessimist. What does that mean? You know, the optimist has their glass half what? Full and the pessimist has their glass half empty, right? Y'all know the, the idea of a pessimist, and y'all know if you're a pessimist or if you know of anybody that's pessimist. Every time you come against anything, it's the end of the world. It's terrible. There's just no way of, of getting over, getting through it, and, and we just always have this kind of thought. And, and I think just some way there, there might have been a, a sense of pessimism with Thomas. I'm not sure, but I think some way, and I know it affects us, when you think about his worst fears coming true, the, the death, the arresting, the burial of Christ, he feared that it came true, and his leader was dead. And so there he says, unless I see it. He didn't believe it. His cup wasn't half full. When they said he is risen, we've seen it. He says, I don't believe it. Not until I have seen it. Not until that. So it led to a sense of defeat, which led to a sense of uncertainty. And you know what uncertainty leads to? It leads to self-sufficiency. Why? Because we think that when we have this uncertainty, the only thing we can be certain about is what we do. Isn't that true? What does that lead to? This idea of self-sufficiency. You taking care of business. You doing it. But you know what's really bad? Is when you find out that you can't trust yourself either. And that there is no certainty in what you can do either. 
And then you find yourself in a very, very dark place. But there's this idea of it affects us. And Thomas wasn't unique to this idea of uncertainty. You see scripture, Gideon said, why has this happened to us, Lord, if you're with us? The psalmist says, my tears are my food day and night. And uh, Job uttered, I cry unto thee and you don't hear me. And Jeremiah says, it's all um, incurable and perpetual. You see this over and over again. And so he's not alone. And maybe you today have taken a pessimistic heart. And the circumstances you find yourself in today, you're saying, I don't know if it can ever be different. I want you to hear today that this word, this Bible is your book. It's full of people that are in that exact same place that have been transformed and their hope has been transformed. The third barrier for hope was grief. No doubt that Thomas loved Jesus. No doubt that he loved Jesus. In fact, he had this great love for him, so much so that he was so burdened at the fact that the crucifixion happened. What does he do? He withdraws himself from the disciples and he goes by himself. Isn't this what we do, church, when we face grief? We withdraw ourselves from the people we love and the people that we know are there because it makes it more of a reality. We don't want to face it. And so we draw back to ourselves, and that's what happened. But catch what happened when he does that. He misses the appearance of Jesus. That changed everything for them. When you find yourself in grief, church, please listen to me. It can be a barrier. It can be a barrier. And I'm asking you right now to say, Lord, please help this barrier be shattered and help my hope be transformed because I'm stuck in this place. And I know it's because of my grieving heart. Maybe the Lord wants to shatter that. And you know what? Maybe he wants to use your brothers and sisters to do that. We have grief share going on. They had an orientation last week. This Monday night, this Monday, tomorrow night, they're having the first official time where they actually open up the book. And so perfect timing. Perfect timing. See what the Lord might do through that to take away that barrier in your life. We go on and we pick up with the rest in the story because the same circumstances Thomas found himself to find barriers is the same circumstances he's going to be in that, that ends up being bridges. And I want to catch that with you and then we'll go on. John 20, verse 26. If you're there, say amen. Here's what it says. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said what? My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I want to check out with you these bridges that take us from this place of uncertain hope, this desire, this wishful thinking, all the way over to a transformation, certain, confident expectation of what God wants to do in your life. How do we get there? There's these bridges. The first bridge is Christian fellowship. After they told him, he didn't just say, no, I don't believe until I see it and then go to his house and sit at his house by himself and do his own thing. No, obviously he continued to meet back with the disciples. I love this because you might be here today just like Thomas was thinking, I don't know. I need to see it for myself. I have to see it. But you still continue to come here not believing. Maybe you're in here today and you don't believe because you haven't seen it yourself, but you still show up week after week. Why? Because Christian fellowship is going to be a bridge that takes you, my friend, to renewed hope. Why? Because there's going to be gl flickers, glimmers of hope in the eyes of your brothers and sisters that do believe that lets you hold on. Hold on to it. Don't withdraw yourself. Christian fellowship can be a bridge. 
can take us back to this place of hope. The next bridge that I want to talk to you about is the bridge of truth. Again, here's the point. He says, except I shall see and put my finger and thrust my hand, I will not believe. Is that really a bad thing for him to say? Is it really bad for him to have those thoughts and to be that, 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 that upfrontward? I don't think it is. We look at this as a bad thing from Thomas for saying this. But remember, the disciples were pretty much saying the same thing until he showed them. He wanted truth. It's said, I've heard it said, there lives more faith in honest doubt, believe me, than in half the creeds. More faith in honest doubt than half the creeds. He wanted this faith to be real. There is more ultimate faith in a man who insists on being sure than in the man who simply repeats ideas and has never thought through them himself. I think that's the problem with a lot of the churches, church is we have pastors and Sunday school teachers and and different leaders that are teaching the Word of God. And what happens, unfortunately, so often is we just take these thoughts that we've heard from another pastor, another preacher, another theologian, or whoever it is, and we don't process them ourselves. They don't become sure and certain in our own life. We just take them and we pass it on, and we're relying on their hope for our hope. That's not the place that we get hope, though. The place we get hope is through Christ. And his truth, truth is a bridge. Catch the truth of God's word. When you take this and you say, okay, this is the first step, church. When you take this and you say, this right here is true. Absolutely nothing else. It's true. Then you're on the first plank of the bridge of truth that leads you to true biblical hope. It's truth. The third bridge, last one, and ultimately the bridge any other bridge is ultimately going to come through this bridge, and that bridge is the, for any transformation is Jesus Christ himself. Through our personal encounter with Christ, that's what happened with Thomas. He said, unless I see it, Jesus shows up and says, let me see your finger, brother. Let me see your hand, brother. And he shows them the truth. He shows them it's through Christ himself. And his response is, my Lord and my God. He was expressing complete commitment to Christ. He wasn't uncertain simply to be contrary. In a way, he was, he was, in a way it was to be sure. And when he was sure, then his commitment was to be complete. I hope that makes sense this morning as you think about Christ encountering you. And I want to ask you, do you have that certainty? Have you had that personal encounter with him where you've said at some point, I won't believe until it is real to me? Have you had that moment where Christ shows up and he makes it real to you? Because the same living Lord, Jesus Christ, wants to transform your uncertain worldly hope into this renewed biblical hope. He wants you to say, my Lord and my God. And he added another dimension here. He said, blessed. He says, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's talking about us. The other disciples had seen too. They were blessed because they saw. But us who have not seen, even more blessed we will be. But I always struggle with that verse just a little bit because I know where the principle added is, is we don't get to physically see Jesus. But I'm telling you what, we have the privilege of seeing Jesus. We have the privilege of seeing him. And when we see him, he becomes that bridge that takes us from worldly hope to renewed hope. And so what I wanted to do this morning is actually take just a moment here. I'm looking for the microphone. Natalie, what'd you do with your microphone? Ah, there it is. 
You forgot to say warm, cold, warm, cold. What I want to do is I want to give an opportunity for the church. This is a blessing here. I want to give the opportunity for you as the church to be the church. And what I want to do is give an opportunity for anyone that wants to share just shortly about how they experienced hope in their life. How they went from this place of uncertain hope, of desiring things to be different, and how through, whether it was truth, the Christian fellowship, and ultimately Christ, somehow you got to this biblical certain hope. And so anyone interested in sharing just a little story of hope? You got it, David. You got it. The best thing I can think of is when I got kicked out of my job, got laid off, and I turned to Christ, and he built me up. My wife was a big, big factor, but Christ was the biggest factor. Ever since then, I have had hope. I'm not too worried about things. I know everything will go right. And I know y'all that don't know me, I see a lot of faces of young people in here. My wife doesn't know how funny it is. She had a good situation. She asked me yesterday. And when I came to this community, I was a homeless shelter. And I had a man give me an opportunity to uh, come to this community. And I made it. I, I was in a, another church here locally. I've uh, been in a couple of different churches. And uh, when we... Uh, Think all is lost, which I did. Um, I had some major surgeries, some major issues from the military. And I actually thought about suicide. I mean, it was a real serious thought, people. And uh, I had a pastor sit down one day with me, and he'd give me hope. He told me what could be, you know. And I grew up in a church, and I got lost. I got lost at it when I went to the military. And the one thing that I want to tell y'all is that when you get to the lowest of the low, tell you what, you get down on your knees. You don't pray to the Lord. You give your life to the Lord. And when I did that, and I asked the Lord, give me a gorgeous wife, a Christian lady, to give me a great home. Uh, he gave me a new church family, you know. Uh, when I had my knee surgery, Jerry, just two weeks into the church, calls me up, says, hey, I'm at the VA hospital. I don't know where yet. Uh, I'm not even a member of y'all's church yet. And that right there is when I told my wife, I said, this is home. This is it. Christian people, Christian families, Christian friends. And the one thing I want y'all to know, I just lost a really dear friend this week. And I sat down and looked at my life, and I said, why did the Lord bless me with so much stuff for one person that so many other people don't have? Because everybody, he blesses everybody different. And yesterday, sitting down talking with this family, I understood one thing. The Lord gave me a bunch of stuff 
because I love helping people like y'all. I have everything in the world that, that can be used. Some things I can't use. But when it comes down to it, I have the knowledge and the Lord give me the blessing to be a minister. And Jerry knows this, to get out. And I love to preach to people. I love to try to bring people to the Lord. But in order to change your life, don't just hope. Get on your knees and give your life to God and God will give back. I'm a testimony of that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Does anybody else want to share? Um, so in fifth, in fourth and fifth grade, I used to get like really, really ill, and I would go home and I would pray every night, and um, like it happened for a week, and I would pray for a week every night, and I went to school, and I found a really and we used to go around school and we would preach about it and like she helped me whenever I needed it and I helped her whenever she needed it. And so we used to go around school preaching the gospel and stuff and that has helped me a lot. There's a part of me that was kind of hoping that forgot that I was the band. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like an oxymoron because I'm a perfectionist and I feel like when when you want to share something about hope, you shouldn't be struggling in that moment. But the Lord is teaching me a lot that um, hope is surrender and hope means that you don't hold on to the things that you can't control, um, but you let your hands open up and let the Lord direct your path and I have hope in my situation. Um, but like I have, I tell my children, best friend, I have to surrender multiple multiple times a day because we are human. And sometimes we question what is going on and what the world is up to. But that's the only thing that brings me comfort is to know that I don't have to carry anyone. Amen. That I have hope. And the Lord has a plan for every area of our life. He's got it. Praise the Lord. Anybody else want to share their story of hope? doubt 
had hope that maybe he would come to know the Lord before he passed. And we prayed, and we prayed that God would give us a time that we could go and visit and share a message with him. And uh, when you do that, God's going to answer that prayer for you. And he did. And we got to go, and uh, I got to share with her brother. Me and him in the room. And uh, his heart was already leaning that way. He knew his time was come, and he knew that uh, he only had one hope. Amen. And so we talked about that. And that day, uh, David accepted the Lord Amen. as his personal Savior. Praise the Lord. And he was, I explained to him, it was just like at Calvary with the dying thief on he never did anything good in his life either, uh, as far as spiritual or as far as the Lord. But he stood for Christ. As Christ was being crucified, Jesus told him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I told David the same thing. If you die today, you'll be with God in paradise. So there is hope. Amen. And uh, it's our responsibility as fellow Christians to share that hope with the lost Um, a hope of mine, and it was a prayer answer, 
So God uses many things in our life, from tragedy to living in the ditches to living under bridges to not having anything to bring you to that point to where you do get on your knee or knees to give you that hope in him to wake up that next day for him and for what he has given you, not for what you've given yourself. So hope brings it all together. It's a great big word that means a lot of things. So that's my short version, Preston. I don't want to leave anyone out. Have no hope, God puts people. 
remember that in times when we struggle. I don't want to leave anybody out and grieve the spirit at all. Here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to have the praise team come up, and they're going to play something, and, and we're going to have a time of response. And you've heard people tell their story of hope, but maybe you're still here today, and you still desire that hope. And maybe it's God speaking right now to you to say, let me give it to you. Come and bow your life before him, just as our brother said. Bow our life before him. Give him your life today. Let Christ be that bridge that takes you from uncertain desires and wishful thinking to a biblical, certain, sure, and awesome hope. And uh, he can do that for you today. And then if you say, I'm one of these that spoke and I, I have that hope, then here's what I want you to do. We have 42 people that are lined up on this stage that have no hope right now, that are lost, that need hope. Would you come and pray over some of these names? Every one of you. I'm talking to every one of you. That we would pray over the lost, that they would receive hope. Who's your one? These are people in people's lives that they have brought to Christian fellowship saying, I want them. I want them to know the hope. So, God, Lord, we just come before you right now, Lord. And, God, as you're moving in this place, we ask, Lord, that you would help us get out of the way. Lord, even our mind that may be thinking about what time it is or our, our uh, bottoms from hurting from zedding so long, or whatever the thought may be, Lord, would you remove it? Lord, would you touch us right now? Would you allow the Spirit in this place, God? Help us not be barriers to your Spirit. Lord, lay the bridge before us today. It's already been laid through Christ, through the cross. Lord, take our hand today and guide us across the bridge into a place of hope, Lord that we would recognize that we have nothing apart from you. And Lord, that it's through you, by grace, through faith, that we can have hope of eternal life, but life even now, joyful, abundant life now. So Lord, if there's one in here that does not have hope, maybe they find someone that just takes a testimony of hope and they say, will you pray for me? I want what you have. And may they come and pray with them, Lord. And, and may we seek you to find that hope or maybe we just come before you with these names, 42 people that don't have hope, Lord. May we lift them up to you, asking for your grace, Lord, to shower down. May we do that in this very moment. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.